0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Recovering Entrepreneur Show. Bobby the Awesome here tonight with two fabulous ladies. And we're going to talk about a topic that, from what I understand, isn't talked about enough. Um, so please welcome to the show, Aline and Karen. Miss Karen, since it's your first time playing in the sandbox with me, I'm going to let you introduce yourself first.
1: Hi, good evening. Thank you, Bobby, so much for having us on tonight. Um, Karen Teller, I spent over 30 years in a sales and uh, quality control, accounting um, capacity in the manufacturing space, actually in plastics. Um, And I actually had a company, I know you're an entrepreneur show. I had a small business while I was working, selling lingerie for women, technical fabrics. That was kind of fun for a couple of years. Um, And I met my partner Elaine uh, on this venture that we're on. Through the Red Cross, we're volunteers and a group of women called the Tiffany Circle that give our time, talent, and treasure to the American Red Cross. Uh, So thank you. Thank you for having us on.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I didn't know you met that way. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Ms. Elaine, do you want to share a little about yourself?
2: Sure. I'm Elaine and started a business at the age of 26. I was quite naive and didn't know what I didn't know, but here I am about four decades later. It worked out well, and um, I'm in the marketing, advertising, and public relations business. So over the years, um, we've had many different clients in all kinds of industries, and I've always just been amazed at some of the things that men say to women um, that are just really inappropriate. So I've always wanted to do something about that and then When Karen and I were together uh, actually at a wedding for a friend of ours, who's also a Red Cross volunteer, we all had dinner about five or six of us before the wedding and just started sharing stories about things that had happened to us at work. And we were just howling over dinner and just, you know, something came up. I said, this should be a book. And Karen's like, you know, I'll help, let's do it. So that's really, How we got uh, connected on the subject and have had a lot of fun doing it.
0: Wow, I was that was going to be my first question is like where did this idea to really publicize this topic come up. Um, And before I press record we were talking about how Karen has a lot of corporate and you have a lot of entrepreneur. So do we want to use that as a starting place? Do you want to talk a little about what you see in entrepreneurial land or Karen in corporate? I've never interviewed two people at the same time. I just realized that. So this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, that's that's the um
1: that's the thing. We we found there's a lot of crossover no matter what you do, no matter what your industry. We first started thinking maybe we should look at industry specific, right? Like finance and Wall Street and um, women in real estate. We just did a podcast with women in real estate and um, some of the same things happened there. And, you know, so it's, it's a subject that's really across lots of different industries. So that's what makes it kind of fun to talk about. So I don't think there's a huge distinction in our subject matter about verbal harassment across being an entrepreneur or someone like me who sold plastics, right, for a career. Um, and I also do um, angel investing. I think I told you that, Bobby, before the show. So I've been investing in women's startups for seven years. Um, and I know, you know, we know there's certain things and, you know, we talk about them occasionally. Elaine's got a lot of data on um, women and wealth. And for me, I have a lot of uh, experience in how women aren't financed enough in doing startups. Um, and and I'll share a quick story. So our our, our thing is about stories. So Um, Since you are um, interested in entrepreneurs, um, Bobby, uh, a woman that um, is a chemical engineer was doing a presentation to a group of um, angel investors, mostly men, and she was almost finished it. And she had great questions and respectful and she was answering them all fine. And one gentleman, an older guy stood up and said, so what does your husband think about this? You're starting a business and you have children and a husband, is he okay? Okay. And she just was so shocked that he asked her because she is chemical engineer, worked for big companies her whole career, like Axon and Mobil, and this is her second startup. And she kind of fumbled a little bit and she felt very defensive and, and she didn't get funded because all the men started talking about, wow, should women start companies? She never got the money from that firm. Then she came to my group and we did fund her and um, I'm so in touch with her, they're doing well. It's a company called Radical Plastics. Um, so. You know, this is just last year when these things happened and they're still happening. So Elaine, I'm I went on a little long. I know you wanna probably Can share. I jump
0: in? Sure. Quick. So first of all, that's a great story to share on the show to kind of lay the foundation of the things that we're talking about. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's yes. it, it's really heartbreaking, and it is outrageous to to you guys's model. And and when you were explaining about corporate and entrepreneurship, not crossing over, I realized why I thought there'd be a difference when I go to training events or when I'm doing entrepreneurial stuff, because there's not direct and I'll call it competition in the sense of looking for the VP seat or, you know, like the next promotion, I feel a little different environment in entrepreneur land. So I expected more of a distinction. So it's interesting that men, some men, behave badly no matter what the situation is. So thank you for broadening my horizon on that. Miss Elaine, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, I think for me as an
2: entrepreneur, and because we've worked in so many different industries, some are so much more enlightened than others, but um, and some are very traditional male-oriented companies. And sometimes um, you know, over the years, they don't They're women that have never advanced, you know, they stay in certain positions within the company and they you don't see them in management. And so sometimes when we would walk in as a woman owned firm, it would turn heads and people would be interested and oftentimes curious. Um, you know, I've had lots of different situations in very, very male-dominated organizations, and then also in some that are more enlightened, I would say. But um, the examples, um, well, one story that I share is that I made a presentation to a company, and this was very traditional, it's concrete business, and I had a great client contact. We got along well and we got got ready to make a big presentation. And he said, Elaine, the CEO's coming in town and wants to hear the presentation. I'm like, great. And so I made the presentation to both of them. And afterwards I said, well, I'd love your feedback. And the CEO leaned forward on the table and said, Ain't no goddamn wench gonna tell me what to do. And he got up, slammed the door and left. And I was flabbergasted. I didn't know what to say. And, um, and so those kinds of situations, I think women find themselves in a lot where they're just so stunned, they don't know what to say. Fortunately, my day-to-day contact was a very enlightened male. And he said, Elaine, don't worry about it. They implemented everything we recommended and I never saw the CEO again. But, um, it was a, it was a wake up call for me, like, wow, how could he have said that? And how can I be prepared to handle that the next time? So it's, um, it's interesting.
0: Are you seeing patterns of age demographics? Like, are you seeing this happening in certain age groups more than others?
2: I think that there are women on the front lines that have been in the work, workforce a long time, like Karen and I, we've been on the front lines, So there are a lot of women that have experienced things. We would like to think that it's over and that um, younger women are not experiencing some of these things. I think that um, with affirmative action and lots of different programs now, there are systems to report Harassment and things like that, where there weren't before, but we talked to a lot of young professional women, and they are experiencing very similar things. I think the difference today is that sometimes it's more subtle.
0: <clears throat> Ooh, sorry. Um, I find that interesting because I've seen the evolution of like sexual harassment and and regular harassment policies. And it's no joke. Like I remember being a teenager and there was, I think it was Lucy and Ricardo. I love Lucy. And he would say, honey, I'm home. And I said that on the sales floor in a supermarket once. And I got pulled in the office and spoken to because I used the word honey in front of a district manager. Um, and, and, And it was so innocent, but now it's so rigid, at least like that's where it was back then. So that in my mind, that was the shift. But then also the opposite is true. I was a truck driver in my early twenties going cross country and I got a lot of surprise, but never nastiness,
1: you know? So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of surprises that aren't nasty. You know um, I'll give you an example, Bobby, of a funny one for me. Um, I was calling on a a big company, you know, it's the first time I went and see this purchasing guy in a, huge company. And he looked at me and he said, God, you don't look anything like I expected you to look like. And I didn't know what to say. Right. Like I I wasn't going to ask anything because I was afraid what he would say. And he goes, well, you're not fat. And I I couldn't even laugh. I thought, well, no, I'm not fat. But he said, well, usually women with good telephone voices are fat. So what do you say? Like that's that's one of our responses. Is like you don't say anything because it's so inappropriate, right? It's kind of funny and sort of a backhanded compliment. But why did he even have to say that, right? It's just that, and that kind of stuff is the stuff we're talking about. It's, it's kind of why do we have to put up with that, right? Or what do you say when it does happen to you, right? What do you you have to point out to guys that they don't really know what they're saying sometimes, and and we should you know, we
0: should share that with them. Oh, is that, is that what, that was going to be my next question is like, what would you advise someone? Cause yeah, I'm flabbergasted listening to you and, and I'm going into this conversation a little prepared, so I cannot imagine <laughs> being on the receiving end of that. Um, so what does that dialogue look like if a woman wants to, I don't know if defend is the right word or address it in the moment. Do you have any advice on that?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Elaine, maybe you want to share our standard solutions to some of them. Yeah,
2: yeah. we have. um, They're listening to women. We have five responses um, that are kind of common situations Four common situations. You know, I'm sure over time we'll develop more. But one of them is is a quick comeback. And the great thing about quick comebacks, if you can think of them in the moment, we encourage women to just go with them because typically they're funny. And, and the man gets the message and the woman sets a boundary by doing so. Um, An example of that, um, and I'll share myself personally, is I was at a a weekend retreat for a board that I had uh, joined, and it was a strategic planning retreat and I lost an expensive earring in one of the meetings. So at the break, I got up and I was looking for it. And a couple of people asked me what I was doing. So they joined in and we were tracing my steps to go back everywhere I'd been to see if we could find my earring. And we were at the elevator waiting on it to go up. And so this man walked up who was at the retreat. And they said, what are you doing? And we said, well, we're trying to help her find it. And he said, oh, I have it. It was on my pillow. And everybody just sort of looked at him and looked at me. And I just said, you wish. And everybody started laughing. And, and that was that. So, you know, I made it clear that, yeah. That didn't happen. But, you know, sometimes if you can't think of a comeback that could have had a different situation, the perception might have been that, oh, well, maybe they were really uh, together last night or something. So that's one response is a quick, quick comeback. If you can think of one in the moment. And it's funny and everybody moves on. Um, Karen, you might want to share one about I'm not your Betty Crocker. That's one of our favorite
1: responses. (laughs) Our Betty Crocker one is um, my, you know, growing up, my mother wasn't a very good cook and she always said, I'm not Betty Crocker. And I thought Betty Crocker was like Martha Stewart, like a real person. And she wasn't, she was, when I looked into it, she was, you know, created by an advertising guy in 1921 to um, advertise for a flower, F-L-O-U-R company, a flower company. Um, And she didn't really have a face Or a body until the 30s. So she just was this persona. And um, you know, I grew up thinking, well, Betty Crocker. So our Betty Crocker is don't make the coffee, don't buy the order the lunch, don't organize, because you don't want to be that person that ends up doing all that work, right? So you wanna, you gotta, you gotta just call the guy out right away and say, Here, I'll show you where the coffee machine is and I'll teach you how to make coffee, you know, because if you start that role that's where you're going to be and it's a little it's a little demeaning in ways right men can do those things too Mm -hmm. They're probably doing them home or if they don't do them at home they should be learning to do them at home too but um yeah so that's that's a good category for us yeah
2: yeah we heard from a young engineer and she actually left a job she was the only female engineer in this um, entrepreneurial company and her boss asked her all the time to to plan all the events you know, to make arrangements for food, uh, and never asked any of the guys to do any of that. And she got fed up with it and just left. Um, so we do see women leaving, and and you know it's sad because they leave a good job. It's sad for the company because they leave great talent. But if if we can help women feel empowered to use their voice, to set the record straight and to claim their power, they they could have a different outcome. Um, And, you know, one response to that might be something like, you know, I think you would have a better outcome if you put together uh, a committee of, Mm of numerous people in the company and have people work together on these events. So, you know, that could be a response to getting Pointed out, or you know, asked to do all these things because you are the woman. And you and in, said
0: that was an engineer. Is that what mm-hmm. did I hear that right? Uh-huh. So as I'm sitting here listening to that, I'm thinking, as an engineer, male, female, whoever, what is the ROI on taking someone's talented brain, like an engineer, and wasting it on like coffee and donut coordination? Like that doesn't uh-huh. even make business sense to me, right? Yes, and um,
1: oh, so another another category is say nothing and do something. And this is another software engineer who we um we also know through our Tiffany Circle Red Cross involvement. And she she told us early in her career that um she was headed to her first meeting with her CEO, and on the elevator he said, "Could you get me a cup of coffee?" And she was so stunned, and she didn't drink coffee, so she went down to the cafeteria, got him a cup of coffee, but she put a whole lot of sugar in it and a whole lot of cream. And she went up, and she was late for the meeting. Walked in, all the men looked at her. She put it down, and the guy looked at it, took a sip, and went, "Oh, never asked her to make coffee again, right?" Mm. And she, I don't think she did it on purpose, but in hindsight, she realized that's a good thing to do, right? I mean, just make a bad cup of coffee for the guy; that'll that'll fix him.
0: <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I had met a new boss once upon a time. You know, like half an hour meeting to to meet the boss and stuff. And literally, the whole meeting was him telling me all about him, nothing about my career, nothing about me. It was just, I'm the VP, and I blah, blah, blah. And it's like it's it's almost like we're not even seen as humans in addition to women, right? Like it's I think there's some leadership opportunities as as well, at least through the lens of my experience with that as, Cause, cause the other thing I'm curious about, and I don't mean to get into like weird stuff or and the weird isn't the right word, but like untraditional, like we're seeing a lot of, um, movement around pronouns and, you know, all of that has to be impacting this situation. Am I right in thinking that? Because now the lines are even more blurry and and how you show up and communicate with people. Am I are you seeing any of that in, in who you're talking to and what you're experiencing?
2: Yeah. Karen, right. you about
1: to answer that. Um, yes, yeah, so I th- I think that's definitely a younger generation thing, right? Um, and I think time will tell how that plays out. I, I just think it's it's pretty new, she, he, we, whatever, right? Um it, to me, it's a very small percentage of the population that, that is talking that way. And time will tell, I don't, I don't know how that's gonna play out between basically what, what will, what's the most important thing is communication and how do we all communicate as, and, and again, our, our, our talking as men and women talking together. But you know, it could be women to women too and men to men in, in business, but you know, what, what we're talking about mostly is um, men and women communicating and talking there's a lot of subjects you can go and talk about that way. Um, you know, what is, you know, we like to say that it, we're talking about verbal harassment and, okay. and, and I'll just share with you a few things of what verbal harassment is. It's yelling, use of threatening language, insults or mocking, intentional embarrassment, or use of offensive language—they're kind of what is determined on the legal sense verbal harassment in the workplace. So we we try to find stories around that to um, to share, so you can have a comeback, as Elaine said. You know that you can—you don't have to get to the point where it's sexual harassment because you're able to communicate with that early on and talk about it with your coworker, in in a meaningful. Sometimes you can. Um, we've talked to a lot of women that do leave their company because it's not going to ever change and that person is not gonna change. So you need to you need to put your boundaries up and you need to either stay there and put boundaries up or leave if you can't change the, the environment.
0: Wow. So is there two more, am I keeping track right? Is there two more strategies in dealing with this situation? I've had Bready Crocker, witty come back, and then action taking that. Makes say sure nothing, do something. something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, say nothing. There,
2: there are two more. Um, one of them we call the velvet hammer. And that's where you, um, in a genteel way, you explain a situation to a guy, but you have an imaginary big stick behind your back just to give you the confidence to stand your ground and set a boundary. Um, an example of this would be um, you know, sometimes men just don't get what they say. They make stupid comments or they, they just don't understand how they come across. So there was a woman who, um, she was working with a client and it was on a regional economic development initiative. And he commented to her, her client commented to, to her that he had asked the CEO, who was the head of this global initiative, this global company, if he would chair the initiative. And he said, the guy keeps turning me down. And she said, well, I've got a meeting with him later this afternoon. And her client said, well, would you ask him if he would chair this right. initiative? So she said she would. And so in the meeting, the CEO said, Elaine, or, or you know, actually it's happened to me, um, I will do it if you will co-chair it with me. So um, she did. And so in the meetings, the client kept saying all the time, Mr. Chairman this, Mr. Chairman that, Mr. Chairman this. And it really demeaned, demeaned me And so after one of the meetings pulled him aside and said, may I ask you a question and may I discuss something with you? And he said, yes. And so I said, every time you do this, it really uh, diminishes my involvement and my contributions. And he was shocked. He said, I had no idea I was doing that. And he apologized and he said, you know, I won't do this anymore. And he never did. And after that, he thanked me a few times, but, one of the reasons that works is because it allows the guy to save face and you give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they don't realize what they're doing and it gives them an opportunity to do better. And so, um, but it always starts with a question because you ask their permission, may I speak with you about something? And if they give you yes, then, you know, that's your uh clue, your signal to, to step in and share share the information.
0: I like that because you're educating them in the same, at the same time. Right. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. I like that strategy.
1: I can tell you a funny, another funny story in that same category, Bobby. Um, a friend of mine was uh, working in D.C. and she attended a big dinner and um, it was all men. And, and her seatmate was a very prominent um, man in D.C., and he kept looking at her breasts the whole time she was talking to him. So she's sitting and she's trying to get his attention, you know, and get his eyes to look at her eyes. And finally, she just stopped. And she said to him, you know, these pointing to her lips, these are doing the talking, these have not learned to talk yet. And he looked up and he was totally embarrassed. And you know, this is a guy that's pretty big deal in DC. And all the people around the table heard her and they laughed. So it became a really funny thing in the circle there, but he just like, he was shocked. He didn't know what he was doing, but she nicely pointed it out, used humor. (laughs) And to this day, she's kind of embarrassed by what she did, but I said, no, I think that was the right thing to do. He didn't know he was just staring at your breast. Right. So um, that does happen to women where they feel awkward and it's, it's okay to say, I don't think you should be
0: doing that. Look at me, you know? That happens. Do you find that it happens? Like, so you're talking to a lot of women about this, right? Not just your circle. So are you noticing trends in like personalities? Like, is it the more docile women that get this, or is it really just about the men having the bad behavior? It wouldn't matter. Like if they had their velvet stick, Is, is that what you call it? Velvet? Yeah, the the hammer. The the hammer, that's it. So, does it have to do with like how, and and I'm not saying it's the responsibility of the woman, just to be very clear, to be treated a certain way. I'm just wondering if you notice different uh, patterns throughout the women you've spoken to um, that become more targeted.
2: I think it happens to all women but I think that the women that know how to claim their voice and speak up have better success and maybe they move forward faster there's a woman at ESPN and she's been very successful and this, you know in the executive leadership team and she bats it back to them and you know something came up in a meeting that she was in and um, and there was something going on that, you know, with sports it's 24 seven weekends and nights and mornings and you know, all of that. And there was something they wanted her at. And uh, she said, you know what, I- I've got a family, you know, I've got kids I need to take care of. And they're like, well, what do you mean? You know, just get get somebody to to do that for you. You know, that's what we do. Well, they had wives, you know, that that supported them. And she said, you know, don't have that um she was a single mom and and so you know they it was an eye opener for them they just assumed you know that that everything worked like the way it worked in their lives and so they really started accommodating her in a much better way that um gave her much more work-life balance but you know she she just batted it back and i think that a lot of times women are afraid to do that. A lot of times women have lost jobs over that. Um, and so, you know, empowering women to do it and it is a, is a solution that I think will move us all forward faster.
0: Yeah, I imagine repercussions can be a scary, scary yes. thought. Um, but I love these examples that you're sharing. And I love that you're doing, sharing like stories to prove your techniques, like, and how they worked. I'm finding that very easy to digest and very memorable. So I appreciate the way that you're sharing this with us. Um, What's the last one, girls?
2: Well, the last one is called the manhandler. And this one deals with men that we call the good guys and the allies. So Karen's got a great story about this. So Karen, why don't you share your story?
1: Oh, sure. So um, early on in my career, Bobby, um, I was an accountant uh, for divisions of a big company. And um, my boss called me in at lunchtime, the controller, and the shades were pulled and lights were out. He asked me to sit down and he said, I'd like to kiss you. I've been wanting to kiss you for a long time. And I said, well, I don't really think that's a good idea. Aren't you married? And he was about 15 years older than me. And I Nobody was in the office. I had one hand on the doorknob. And as I was opening the door to get out of there, um, he said, Don't tell anybody. So I just felt a little uncomfortable with not telling anybody. And at that time, you know, I worked for um, the guys. I was one of the guys that ran it. So I was a runner. I became a runner. Um, a bunch of women went out to run one day and the only one that stuck with it. And I'm still a runner today for physical and mental reasons, but you know, I started running with the guy. So I knew the president, I knew the vice president. So I thought about it and I went to the IT guy who I knew didn't really like my boss because not only that situation, my boss wasn't doing his work. He wasn't showing up. I was doing all the work. Another guy, you know, one of those situations where you're young, but you know, the guy's not doing what he should be doing. And he's getting all the credit for it. So I went to this guy, Bob, and he said, I'll, I'll talk to the president. He went to HR, they called the president of the company, he was on vacation, he came back, fired my boss, and came over to my desk and said, I'm really sorry you had to put up with that, Karen. And that was because looking back, I didn't know I was so smart then, I just had credibility because the guys knew me. And um, so our our, our takeaway with that is make sure you have, relationships out of your sphere of uh, where you work like other people in the company that know you and know the work you're doing um, and your contribution to whatever it is you're involved in whether you're an entrepreneur or working in a big company or a small company make sure you have alliances built up outside of your immediate boss.
2: Yeah so having those those are the kind of men that um, respect (laughs) their wives their daughters you know they want to see them have every opportunity and They want their coworkers, the women and the men to excel. So in a situation like that, a man handled it. So that's why we call it the manhandler. Um, You know, if Karen had tried to do that herself, sometimes it turns out that it's your word as a woman against their word. And of course, there's so many men that deny things. We see that all over the news that that never happened. And so um, by engaging an ally and a good guy, then, you know, they could handle it effectively for her.
0: What I picked up on that story and Karen, I'm very proud of you. There's um, there, there was a whole other way that that could have went down, right? The woman right. could have, you could have blamed yourself and you could have had right. this whole story. And I love that you followed your intuition. You took action, um, and it did have the result that it needed to have. So right. I'm very proud of you for that. And I'm glad that that's a story that you tell because oh, so many things get swept under the rug. I imagine more than we could ever even possibly imagine right. out, of, out of fear or shame or, you know, my journeys teaching me that we're all different and it's all our belief system based on what we learned and experienced. Right. So yeah. if we have the overbearing dad or the, uh, you know, what we're seeing in relationships and what we're seeing through our journey makes us believe things like, Oh, I'm not worth standing up for myself or like not to get into this emotional piece of it. But I really think that's a big part. Um, And by you saying that you're not seeing, themes and personality makes me think there's themes and belief systems, right? It, it, for those stories that you're not hearing about. Um, right. So a shout out to all the women who are raising their hands and, and saying, you know, this is, this is what's happening to me. Right yeah, now. the
2: statistics are interesting too, because 77% of women experience verbal harassment in the workplace um, and 85 percent of them don't report it they don't file a, pl- a complaint so that says a lot that they fear losing their job they don't have feel the confidence to do it you know there are a lot of reasons that that ha- happens but it's such a high percentage and maybe it's part of it's that they don't know what to say or how to handle it
1: And, and, you know, our thing is to do it timely, like I did and Elaine has done in our careers, and not wait. Like right now, you know, in in Boston, we have a political situation with um, somebody running and, you know, two women are coming forward of sexual harassment from the 1990s. And I'm like, well, you should have done it in the 90s. And it's not that it shouldn't be brought forward now, but it's like, do it timely, is also our takeaway for that, I think. And don't be afraid to. So you
0: girls are working on a book yes. and I would love to hear the frame around the book. Like, what's the book going to be about? What can women expect as takeaways or what to learn? Like, is it, are your strategies going to be in there? Is it story? Like, can you elaborate a little on, on what your project looks like? And I know I won't set it in stone. Like it's a work in progress, but um, oh, yeah. I'm sure you've had a lot of brainstorming sessions we have it's not going to read like a novel it's we have a, an outline
1: for it um it's a format more informal where we'll have like statistics on you know women entrepreneurs how many of them how many are getting funded um, women in business women in wealth um you know how many women go to college today versus when we went to college right 50 years ago so we're going to have statistics alongside of solutions and stories and it's really more story focused and then maybe by chapter you'll have a place to write in your stories with your girlfriend. So if you're sitting around having coffee or a glass of wine, you could say, oh, "Karen, I want to hear a Bobby. I want to hear your story in this category. Have you ever been there? You know." And and a way to share that with your friends, your workmates, you know, men in your life, um, and and just have fun with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we also want to touch on a little bit of the history too. If you look at what happened with. Um, Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas, when he was uh, being considered for the Supreme Court and how she came forward and said, you know, I experienced sexual harassment for him. You know, he still got appointed to the um, Supreme Court. But that was the first time in, in our history in America that a woman had been televised telling her story of very explicit things that he said to her. And so that was kind of a tipping point because women, so many women who had been silenced for so long, who had similar stories, it gave them confidence. It was kind of like a movement that this is enough, we're not gonna take it anymore. And then you have years later with Me Too happening, It became, it added fuel to those seeds that had been planted by Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. So we'll touch on a few things like that. There are sort of landmark things that have happened that have helped to empower women to say, wait a minute, you know, this isn't right anymore.
0: Great. It sounds very interesting. And like I said, I'm very excited to support you in that. Anything that helps... Women and people see things from a different lens, so and, and that kind of comes up in your strategies to help women with that. So I really appreciate that. Girls, is there anything that I am not touching on that you want to share with the audience?
2: Well, one thing is just about the power that women have. You know, we um, we control or influence about eighty-three percent of purchases in the United States, we have a lot of power. In some ways you could say we own brands, you know, and even if significant others are shopping at the grocery store, you know, we usually telling them what to buy. Um, So we do have a lot of wealth. We're 51% of the nation's wealth owners. Um, We have a combined net worth of over $22 trillion actually. And we're gonna inherit most of the nation's wealth because women live about seven years longer than men on average. So there's so much power we have. And I like to say that feminine energy is rising on the planet and there's not a better time to really step into that power and to claim our voice because we certainly um, are huge influencers and certainly have a lot of purchasing power in this country.
1: And, and I would share on the entrepreneur side that um, what we've seen, you know, and we are women investors, there's men in our group too, but mostly women, um, a man gets up and he does a presentation, right? And he does a five-year forecast, right? And the sales are like this great big curve, right? All up. Women, it's a little more modest. So So women are actually... They want to know everything before they even say anything, right? And that's how we a lot of us are. We have to be correct at everything. A man will just say this is what he thinks. Well, I'm probably more like a man that way too. But um, but you know, when women present, they're very different than men asking for money. I remember early on, one of my learning curves was I thought, you know, I needed a certain amount of money. I I actually did it on need as opposed to what I deserve to be making. If Joe's making, selling, you know, a million dollars, I'm selling a million, I should make the same as him, right? But I never, I, it took me a long time to learn that, like to ask for more money. Um, and women do that when they're asking for money for investments too. They're a little um, more cautious and, and the men just stand up and they're very confident. Well, we're gonna sell 10, 10 million in 10 years, right? And, and a woman wouldn't do that, but um, we encourage women to be a little bit more forthcoming and, and um, not, not to be unrealistic, but just to be a little bit more, you know, sure of yourself that you, you could probably do that too.
0: That's interesting. I, I've been me and my research, right? One of the, one of the people that I'm studying intuition from talks about these fundamental differences between a man and a woman. Right. So a woman may change her mind because she takes into account the information in the moment versus right. just a, you know, like a, a black and white stance on something. Right. But there was also, she was talking about jobs. So a man may read a job application and only qualify for 60% of it. And a woman won't apply unless she's at like 95 or a hundred percent of it. And exactly. I found that really interesting. Oh yeah. 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 He's like, oh, I'll just learn the rest of it.
2: Yeah, I think that um, kind of connects too, to to what they, the research about boys and girls in schools, you know, the boys will raise their hand and they, they don't have the answer to the question and the, the girl might have the answer, but she's like, well, what if I'm not right or I'm not sure or, you know, they, they have a different thought process where a guy, you know a young child will do, will raise their hand. So it's interesting that you said that because it sounds like those two things are connected and they start pretty early on.
0: Yeah, I really wonder why, why is the sex we that way? What are the repercussions we're afraid of to raise our hand or to put our name in? What's the worst that can happen if you put in for a job that you're only 65% qualified for it? You don't get the job. Well, you yeah. don't get the job if you don't apply.
1: It's really interesting whether it's learned behavior or innate, I I like that subject too. Like, did we learn to be that way because of our surroundings or, 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 it took me a while to learn how to ask for things, right? I'm fine with it now, but it did take me a while and I probably didn't have the right mentor. So I think it is, you can learn to be a different person.
2: Yeah, and the way you I think we're also influenced by our history books and the stories that are told because there aren't a lot of women written in the history books. I mean, it's by far more men and men's accomplishments. And I was stunned to find out. And a few years ago, a friend of mine was, uh, started the Women's History Museum in um, Washington. And and there are a lot of inventions that were made by women that men, Get the credit for and sometimes it's because women couldn't hold patents or it's like mm-hmm. wait a minute a woman invented that i mean even the monopoly game um so we it's it's hard to imagine yourself doing things that you don't have role models for and i'm glad that now there are more movies coming out and things about women like hidden figures You know, that story was so powerful about the woman in NASA who was a brilliant um, computer scientist and how she could do these math calculations that helped us and get our, you know, spaceships out into space. So there's just not enough that we read about women and women's accomplishments. So I think that's part of the conditioning, too, because so much is we're just in a patriarchal
0: society, really. That's a great point, Eileen. Karen, did you have something else?
1: No, I think we're we're set. Thank you so much for having us on, Bobby. It's been oh, fun. Yeah.
0: This is my pleasure. Thank you for giving me a little perspective on this and and raising awareness. Right, like our missions to raise awareness to make the world a better planet. And this is, you know, as you're reading those stats, the kind of impact you can have with these conversations is is really just beautiful and and quite substantial.
1: Mm-hmm yes we hope <laughs> yes
0: yeah
2: we really appreciate uh you having us on your show thank you so much
0: my pleasure 100 percent